Praise God. I just want to start off just by asking a question. Um, does God ever stop working? Recently in our life groups, we, we've been studying the book of Hebrews um, and just been a tremendous, tremendous study to go through the book of Hebrews. And, and my, um, the group that I'm leading recently went through the, the study we were doing on, the, on God's rest that he has in the Bible. And it's really something I think that's really misunderstood when we read that. But many of y'all have read the passage in the Bible where it says, and on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And the obvious interpretation of that scripture is that God literally rested, like he did what we do on a Sunday afternoon. We, you know, if you have an opportunity, you jump on your couch, or you, you lay out and you, you rest, you take a nap. But if you study the scripture, that's not what God did. And um, so it, the meaning of, of the rest that God did does not mean inactivity, as if God ever stops working or has ever ceased from doing any activity. The rest that it was talking about was God resting in the sense that he was satisfied in the work of his creation. In other words, he, he rested in the fact that the, that the creation was complete, that, that what he had done and what he had accomplished was finished to the point of what he created, and he rested in the fact that he, that, that, that was accomplished. But, but um, God never stops. God never stops. The Bible says, indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. God never rests. God never stops. He never takes a vacation. He never takes a siesta. He never t takes a break. God, God is constantly moving. God is constantly working. Jesus said in, uh, five, in John 5.17, Jesus replied, it says, my father is always working and so am I. So God is always working. The Bible makes that clear. And so some of us might argue, well, um, I don't believe that God is working because I don't see any evidence of him working in my life. I, I don't see anything going on. I don't really see the evidence of God working in, in my life. Well, maybe we're not looking. Maybe we're not looking where God, where God is working. And um, if we fail to see him working in our life or in our church, the conclusion that we can come to is all of a sudden God has just stopped. Like we base, we, we limit God to what he's doing here at this church. And if something is not happening here or in my life personally, then we come to the conclusion that God's up there and he's just like, like, like God's not doing anything. That's not true. God is always moving. He's always building. He's always working. God, God is always doing these things. Um, I think I mentioned this a while back when I was at the, my wife and I was at the Baptist church before we joined this church there was a study we had did with an author called Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. And some of y'all might have, might have been on that. It's a, it's a tremendous, tremendous study that he did. And, um, but there were some quotes in that study that we had did. And this is going back uh, before Laura and I was married. And I still remember some of the quotes and things that he had said. But one of the things that he said was, he said, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. I love that. And then he said, God is always at work around you. In other words, God, God is always doing something. Our job is to find out what it is that God is doing and then join him in the work. Amen, it's not based on what I am or not or I'm not doing. It's God is always doing something. And God wants us to join him in the work. So um, Matthew eleven twelve, Jesus said, And from the time John the Baptist began preaching unto now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcibly advancing and violent people are attacking it. 
I'm here to tell you God's kingdom is advancing. God is building his church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God is advancing. God is building. God is growing. God is doing all of these things. You might not be experiencing it personally in your life, or maybe to the degree we want in this church, but I'm here to tell you God is always doing something. God, God, God never stops. So think about this. This church, and we're a small part of the kingdom of God, the, the Christian church, we're not the only Christian church. Any church that, that confesses Jesus Christ as Lord, they're part of God's church. We're not the only church. And, uh, but think about this. This church is connected to God building his church, the worldwide church, the, the, the kingdom of God, and nothing can stop, can stop the hand of the Lord. See, the kingdom of God is not subjected to the kingdom of men. The, and I've said this to this church before, the kingdom of God supersedes the, the kingdom of men. In other words, the, the building that God is doing is not connected to man. It's, not, it's nothing to do with man. And, I, and I've, I've said this before to this church, it's a, it's a supernatural work. It's something that supersedes what we do, and, it, and, it's, and it's disconnected from what we do. It has no part of what man does. So we cannot stop what God is doing. God is doing it in spite of us. It's, it's, it's what God is doing. So um, we may ask ourselves, am I making a difference? Is this church making an impact for the kingdom of God? I say, yes, we are. Absolutely, we are. We, we are definitely doing it. And I titled the message today, Your Labor is Not in Vain. Your labor is not in vain. See, I, I believe the best is yet to come. See, we always, we live in two ways. We live in the past and a lot of times in, in, the, in the present, but we don't always think about what it is that God has yet to do, that there's more that God has yet to do. And the Bible even tells us to be careful not to live in the past, that don't, don't start bragging and getting all excited about what did happen. Find out what it is that God is doing now and what God wants to do. And I believe the best is yet to come for our church. And God, God wants, us to believe, wants us to believe that. See, um, I reject the notion that God's church is in decline. I reject that. Now, the, the statistics show us in America, and I'm sure it's in Europe and other places, that, that church attendance is, is, in, is in a decline. But that does not indicate that God is no longer moving or changing lives. God is still working. So I reject, if, if we say, well, I'm looking at the stats, and the stats are telling me that nobody wants to go to church, so therefore, that means that God is finished. I'm here to tell you, God's not finished. He's not finished. The Bible says God is always working. We've got to find out where he's working and join him in that work and be excited that we can become a part of that. God is still saving lives. God is still calling us to himself. I'm hearing testimonies in this church. A young man that, that came two weeks ago or three weeks ago now when we did our outreach uh, he texted me this morning and said he wasn't feeling good, but, but he, he was at the property there at the, you see, Covington High School is doing this big addition, and he's a land surveyor. He does surveying of land, and normally he never works on the North Shore. He lives on the North Shore, but he, was, he works on the South Shore. When, the, when they built this property a year ago, he said he was over here surveying the land, and he saw, the sign, he saw our sign, and he said something inside of him told him, I need to go to that church. <laughs> that was a year ago. He showed up two weeks ago. He was in my life group. God's still working. God is still calling. See, we need to, 
We need to open up our eyes, as Jesus said, and see the fields are ripe. What did Jesus say? Jesus didn't say pray for the, for the, for the harvest. What did he say? Pray for the laborers. Pray for the workers. You don't have to pray for the harvest. The harvest is always going to be there. They're everywhere. Pray for us that God would give us a heart of compassion to go to them. And that's what this church is seeking to do. Lee, Lee mentioned another outreach that we're doing. We're, we're, we want to get in the community, get in front of people's faces and show them Jesus, love on them, share the gospel, show them the light of Christ, that there's hope. That's what this world needs. They need to know that there's hope. People are looking for hope, but they're looking for it in the wrong places. It's only found in Jesus. See, God's message for his church today is this. The Lord would say to us, I'm not finished. The time of my favor still stands. Do you realize we're living in a time of the Lord's favor? The Bible calls it the year of the Lord's favor. It's not a calendar year. It's a, it's a year from when Jesus Christ came was crucified, was buried, and was resurrected, that Jesus Christ comes again. The Bible says that's called the year of the Lord's favor. What is his favor? That God is extending his mercy and his grace. In spite of our sin and our wickedness and our rebellion, the Bible says that the cross still speaks love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. That's the year of the Lord's favor. That, that's the year that we're in. Thank you, Jesus, we're in that period that God called us to live, to, to live in this time. The time of God's favor still stands. Don't look at the events of this world and get distracted or discouraged. See, that, that's been my mantra to this church, is we cannot allow the things that are happening in the world to dictate how we operate as believers. We can't do that. We, we are in the kingdom of God. We, we've been called out of darkness, the Bible says, into his marvelous light. We live disconnected from men. We, we, are, we are in God's kingdom so everything you do for the Lord is not in vain. It's not in vain. The Lord would say, keep preaching. The Lord would say, keep teaching. Amen. To all my life group leaders, keep teaching. Right. I know sometimes it can be discouraging that somebody don't show up and you feel like you just, you know, you, you just, man, we're just grinding through, grinding through. Keep teaching. Amen. Keep keep preaching. Keep reaching. God wants us to keep reaching. Don't, don't stop. See, that's what the devil wants to do. With all the things that are happening in the world, what does the devil want? He wants to distract us to such a point that what do we do? We just give up and say it's not worth it. He loves that. We've got to fight through that. We, 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 have, we have to fight through that. See, we need the Lord to show us that we are connected to his work. That, see, that we are connected to something that never stops. That, that's something that supersedes this world. And his work cannot be stopped. And your life if you're a Christian, your life is making a difference in the kingdom of God. You need to know that and, re and receive that and be thankful for that. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I love that scripture verse. Now why was Paul saying that? Because obviously these people were growing weary and they were giving up. Paul said, don't grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. I believe in that for this church, that, God, that the harvest is coming. I believe, I'm, I'm individually for us, in our families, in our, and in our lives personally, the harvest is coming. That the blessings of God are coming, but what we have to do, you got to don't give up. Don't, don't, don't grow weary, the Bible says. So Paul, in his first letter to Corinthians, I believe gives us the blueprint 
for success in our labor for the Lord. And um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he said, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And y'all know, for those of y'all who are with this church every week and y'all been listening to me preach, um, remember I told you to look, when you see the word therefore in the Bible, what do you do? You find out what it's there for. That's what you do. And what, what therefore means is indicating something that was before the passage that you're reading. That's what it's there for. So you go back and you find out, well, if you read the previous passage in, in Corinthians, Paul is talking about the resurrection of the dead. And he's explaining to the church and to us as believers that we are one day going to receive a body that's never going to die, that we are going to live forever, that that's the believer's hope. So this is just a part of that passage here in 1 Corinthians. It says, For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. See? So Paul is telling us that are in Christ, we're going to exchange the perishable for the imperishable. We're going to exchange this body that, 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 that no matter how much we try to deny, the body's fading. The Bible says that the outward man is fading. It's, it, it's a slow process, but it, it's fading away. But what does the Bible say? The inward man is being renewed day by day. See, that's my spirit man. That's the part of me that's going to live forever. You see, that's what, that, that's what the Bible says. So that's our hope. That's our hope in Jesus. So now in verse 58, after Paul went through the whole litany of explaining about the resurrection and eternal life, then he says this. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. So the first thing I want us to look at is we need to be steadfast. We need to be steadfast. You know, this, I believe, is the most difficult aspect in Christianity, is to be consistent. You know, and think about yourself, especially if you've been saved for any number of years. You can look back in your life and you can trace times in your walk with the Lord where you've been inconsistent, You've been excited at one point. Maybe you've drawn back at another. You've got excited at another point. You've drawn back. And I believe one of the most difficult things to accomplish as a Christian, once we get saved, is a steadfast spirit. That, God, I'm just going to maintain a, a steadfast spirit. And see, Christianity is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And most young believers, they don't know that. They, they, they don't understand that. See, you've got to be willing to go to distance. You gotta be willing. It's not just like a little a little thing in my life that happens and I feel good for a few moments and God did something nice in my life and I'm just gonna just I'm gonna try this new thing out for a couple of days or a couple of weeks or a couple of months. No, it's a life. You've surrendered your life and you have to be willing to go to distance. David prayed this in Psalms 51 after the prophet Nathan had confronted him with his uh, adultery with Bathsheba. David prayed, "Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me." Why did, David, why did David pray that? Because David knew that even he was prone to wonder and drift from the Lord. See, that should be the prayer of every believer. God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
Don't you want to pray that? Like, even that's like, God, just pray and just renew a steadfast spirit, God. Don't, don't let go of me, God. That's what David said. He said, don't, let, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't let go of me, God. Keep me, Father. But we have to be willing to pray, to pray that prayer. See, that, that's what we should pray. So Jesus described the, the ability for us to wander and to waver and to not live a steadfast life in the parable of the sower. And I remember when Jesus gave the parable, he said the, the farmer had the seed, which is the word of God, and what did he do? He took the seed and he, he, he broadcast the seed out. He scattered the seed. And some of the seed fell on the path. Some of it was on the side where the, where the rocks are and the, the weeds are growing up. And there was another place with the, with the weeds. And then, it, then some of it finally landed, the Bible says, in good soil, which represents, which represents the heart. But the one on rocky ground, he said, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. And I cannot tell you how many Christians I have, I have observed that fit this description of this parable. It is unbelievable. And it's, it's hard to correct them or to, to speak to them because they're so excited. Like a new believer, when they come to Christ, they're so excited, which we should be. We should be excited. But what happens a lot of times in the emotion and the excitement, that new believer, I believe, tries to live out their entire Christian life in that moment. In other words, just, 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 what, it, just what it says here, they receive the word with joy in their heart. In other words, they're so excited, so they try to live the whole thing out, and then all of a sudden it's like they, they recognize that eventually i gotta, I got to come back down to earth. Like I can't, I wish I could stay on the mountaintop, but God showed me that you can't stay. Uh, there'll, be, there'll be mountaintops, but guess what? There's going to be valleys. So what does the word steadfast mean? It means this. You're always steady. See, so you're, you're, not, you're not too, too high, because I know I can't, I can't stay up there. I want to stay up there, but I can't stay there. And I'm not, I'm not going to be too low, because if I get too low, I'm going to get discouraged. I'm going to be defeated. I do all those things. So what do I do? I'm just steady. I'm just steady. God, I, I'm, just, I'm just steadfast. See, I'm just, I'm just remaining steadfast with you. I'm telling you, that, that is something that will take you a long way as a believer. That you tell God, create within me, like David said, a, 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 stead, a steadfast spirit. See, Jesus said, if you want to follow him, so everybody was coming to Jesus and they said, we, we love you, we, we, we love the miracles, we love all the things, God, we, we want to follow you. Well, guess what Jesus said? You want to follow me? You better sit down first and calculate the cost. Estimate the cost first, because it's going to cost you something. It's not going to be like, well, I'm just going to come to Jesus and I'm going to get and I'm going to get saved and my sins are going to be forgiven. No, it's going to cost you your life. Jesus said, sit down and count the cost. Find out what it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you everything. So ask yourself: Are you are you steadfast? Are you the the word means to be firm, to be fixed, to be determined. I'm determined. I'm not always perfect. I'm not always right. The Bible doesn't say be perfect. Thank you, Jesus, it doesn't because I would be disqualified. It says be steadfast. Be, be, be steadfast. So this question is not to condemn us. It's really to challenge us and to wake us up from complacency and apathy, to stir us up a little bit, to kind of to shake us up. But you see, it's never too late. It's never too late to turn back. 
The first step in turning back to God is recognizing you walked away. <laughs> you got to confess you walked away, and then he's like, okay, I'm coming back, God. Yeah. Th- that's what I've done. Um, the, the lesson we did in my life group this last week was the one in Hebrews where we were talking about maturing in the Lord. Y'all know that scripture where Paul was saying that you, you're, still drinking, you're still drinking milk from a bottle like a baby, but he said, y'all been saved so long, you should, be, you should be eating solid food and teaching other people. Lord, they, were, they were saved for a long time, and they were, they, were, they, 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 were in, they were immature. And I told the group, after we were finished, I gave them three things at the end of the lesson that I believe helped me to, to mature and to remain steady as, as a Christian. And one of them was what I'm talking about here, was faithfulness. I just told them, I said, be faithful. And, and I was speaking to men in my group, and I'm speaking to, to primarily men right now with this. That, man, your families are looking for faithfulness. For, for, for faithfulness, that you got to show your children and your family that is for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That, that there's, no, there's no backing down, there's no, there ain't no nothing that's going to get in the way, that's going to trip me up, that's going to stop me. I'm going forward with God. And that's how, if, if, you're, if you're in a family where there's a husband and wife, I hate to tell you, man, but that's up to you. God has given us the responsibility to lead. That's what men do. We lead, we lead our families. Faithfulness, it's so simple, but it's so profound. Be faithful. Just be faithful. I, I tell people that. I'm, somebody, somebody comes and get all excited about the Lord, and they come into our church, and I'm, I'm excited and all that kind of stuff. But guess what I'm looking for? I'm looking for faithfulness first. Don't come up here and say, I want to preach, I want to teach, I want to sing, I want to do all that stuff. i got to see if you're faithful first. And then if you're faithful, God will give you more. What does the Bible say? If you're faithful in the small things, what did he say? I'll give you bigger things. Faithfulness, steadfast. Now I'm going like, look, we, me and Lori and I, we live the same life y'all live. Got the same ups, the same downs, same financials, same kids, same this work, all, all that kind of stuff. We got the same life, but we always say, you know what? We're steadfast. We're just maintaining. Just be faithful. That 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 that, that can take you so far. The next thing we see in 1 Corinthians 15:58 is let nothing move you you got to be unmovable. I-, I love that. I love the way Paul said that. Let nothing move you. And what a relevant word for the time and day in which we live. The word for unmovable in the Greek means to be unyielding, unshaken, and undisturbed. And really, all three of those things can describe the opposite of where, where people are at today. They're, 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 they're yielded, they're, they're shaken, and they're disturbed. That, that's where we're at today. And and the last couple of years, we've experienced this, this pandemic, and, 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 and there was a lot of shaking you know, that, that was going on, and it, and it caused some Christians to become movable. They, they, they shifted. They, they moved off their, their place in the Lord for whatever it was. And it's not that the event of COVID wasn't real. It was, it was a real event, but it really doesn't matter the severity of the circumstance. Even if I'm facing imminent death, the Bible says that nothing moved you. Nothing move you. So that, that's the place you have to stay, take. See, I've, I've taken my stand. I, I've come to Christ. I know it's the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. There is no other way. So I've made the conclusion that he is the truth and the way, and I'm standing firm. I'm firm. I'm not, I'm not moving from that. No matter what happens, no matter what Sickness, what, what comes my way, I will not 
be moved. See, the Bible says, where, O death, is your victory? See, even in Christ, Christ has conquered death. So really, what does a believer have to fear? What, what, what is the worst thing that can happen to us? We die. Well, the Bible says we live. If you're in Christ, we live. So even death can't conquer us, the Bible says. So, you know, really, I think a lot of times, maybe Americans need a little testing. We got it too easy here. You know, we throw, we throw around the word persecution. And I'm not saying that we're not, but we're not. <laughs> okay? Because we're not. Go, go live in Iran or Iraq or China or Russia or, so, or some of those other countries like that. That's persecution. That, but maybe, maybe Americans need to be shaken up a little bit. We need to, we need to be shaken up a little bit and, and get disconnected get disconnected. And the, the real persecution that causes us to be apathetic. The, um, the Bible says in the book of Acts, when the church was scattered by persecution, look what it said. It said the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So God used the, the, the persecution in the book of Acts to, to grow his church. So maybe that's what this church needs, or our church in general in America needs, is a little testing, a little challenging, a little persecution to get us out of our comfort zone. We, we, can become, we can become too comfortable. So you need to ask yourself, is there anything that would cause me to be moved from my faith in the Lord Jesus? Anything. Think, think of, you, you, I, I do this. I, I, I have to do this. I, I have to play that tape in my mind. Is there anything that could happen? Any arrest? Any any taking of my freedoms, uh, my property, uh, threat of my life, or whatever that is, is there anything that could happen that would cause me to move away from my faith in Jesus? You have to ask yourself that. Because if you can't answer that properly, then your faith is not genuine. It's not real. That's what the Bible says. Let, let nothing move you, the Bible says. See, what would happen if my faith was really tested and my life or my freedom was at stake? What would happen if it was really, like, that was really there? What would I do? I might not make it. <laughs> this country is in a position where I don't know how many people would survive that. We, we've never experienced that before, real persecution. Look what the Bible says in Jeremiah. It says, if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Some translations say, if you can't stand in safety and peace, how will you endure when real resistance comes? I love that. What that's saying is, if you can't live for Christ in this environment, COVID or no COVID, I don't care. If you can't live for Christ now, how are you going to do it when the, when the problems get really challenging? You're not going to survive. It's almost like you've got to deliberately train yourself to be in a position to come against things that hopefully never happened but could. Like, like you, you position yourself, you train yourself to be prepared for those things as a believer. But it's really receiving the truth of what the Word of God says. Jesus said, if you follow me, they will hate you. That's what Jesus said. They will hate you. See, you want to see the hand of God working in your life? Be unmovable. Be unmovable. Let, let nothing. 
I don't care what's happened. See, we spend way too much time looking at politics like a politician's going to save us. A politician ain't going to save us. Jesus, when he came to the earth, he didn't, he didn't build an earthly government. He built, a, he built a heavenly one. He built the kingdom of God. He didn't come to change the government. He came to change men's hearts. Politics, inflation, people we watch. You, I, I got rid of cable, cable news. Thank you, Jesus, I got rid of that. We just keep watching that stuff over and over and over. and The negative, the negative, the negative, the negative. That's not what God says. Turn it off. Open up the Bible and see what God says. I don't care what inflation does, what the price of gas does. If my property value goes down to zero, it doesn't matter. Let nothing move you. That's what the Bible says. We have to stand. And then he says in verse 58, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. The next thing we look at is we have to be abounding. We have to be abounding in the work of the Lord. That's what some other translations say, always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, Paul, Paul is instructing the Corinthian church to give themselves fully to the work of the Lord. See, he went through the whole litany of the, of the, the resurrection of the dead, eternal life in Christ, the believers of all those things. He went through all that. Then, he, then he's encouraging the church. Therefore, now, let, give, your, give, give fully to the work of the Lord. Give, give yourself abundantly to the work to the work of the Lord. See, giving the Lord not only your best, but everything you have. In other words, God wants us just to give it all up for Him. Just to give it all up for Him. See, go all in. I'm asking God to take me to a place, God, where I'm, where I'm all in. Amen. That I'll get to a place where I'm not holding it. There's no reservations. That's what God wants. You read the New Testament, you read the book of Acts, those, those men were all in. They were all in. They, they, they had no reservations. They, 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 were not holding any, they were not holding anything back. Why did, why did Paul tell the church this? Because your labor is not in vain. There's a purpose. There's a, there's a reason for what we're doing. See, God is working. God is moving on our behalf. Um, when we spread the word of God, God will bring the increase. I'm believing that. That when we go out and we spread the seed, the word of God, that God will bring an increase. I'm believing that with all my heart, and we're experiencing that in this church. I'm experiencing that in my life. I mentioned my life group earlier. I, earlier in the year, my COVID, when COVID hit, my wife and I was going every week to the Covington Jail, and we were ministering there. I, I really missed that. They've opened up again, but they've, they've done the time change a little different, and it makes it more, more of a challenge for her not to go, but we were going one night a week doing that, so really we were kind of dedicating our life, or at least our one night a week to that, well, when the COVID thing hit, and we, we, we had this, the Lord said, you know, I need, he impressed with me, I need to start a life group. And so, um, well, how do you do that? You need, you need people, you know, to, to start a group. So the Lord just said to begin to look around our church and select people in the church that aren't involved in one, or more so men that have never been involved in a life group. And so I identified, there were several that I identified, and, and um, we started up the group, including myself, with three, and now we're up to five. We, we have five people in the group. And I'm just, I'm just so excited about that. It just shows you, if you go out in faith, God will bring, God will bring the increase. He will bring the, 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 uh, the spirit of, uh, of multiplication uh, on us. And, um, but but God, God is faithful to us, that the work that we're doing for God, it's not in vain. It's not in vain. See, that's the, that's the enemy's tactic. 
that he wants the believer to think that everything that we're doing is a waste of time. It's just spinning our wheels. That, that there's nothing happening. I'm here to tell you we're changing lives. Amen. The Tabernacle Church in Covington is making a difference. We're making a difference. Every time you stand for Christ, you, you stand up and hold the banner of Jesus. You speak the word of Jesus. You lay hands. You pray with someone. You're spreading the gospel. You're advancing God's kingdom. It's not in vain. Our labor is not in vain. God is still working. Amen. See, God's promise to us is if we are faithful, unmovable, and abounding in our work in the Lord, um, we will not, it will not be empty or meaningless. It will not be in vain. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm just going to ask Ray just to come and to begin to play, please. And um, I want to close with this scripture. And this is such a powerful scripture when you read this. And I think it fits what we're, what we're saying here today. But in Isaiah 55, it says, For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout, and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, useless, without result, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. God said that his word is so powerful that if we just speak the word of God, God promises us that it will not return empty. That that, that, that word will touch someone, that that will, that that will reach someone. And I'm, I'm believing just the words that I'm speaking today is reaching somebody here this morning. That God's word is changing, that God is drawing, that God is calling us. And that, 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 that God is faithful to us. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet, please.